Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Live One for One, where we have conversations that challenge us to live a life that will change your life. My name is John, and today I have this amazing lady with me by the name of Janet Henry from the Bolivian Hope Center. Check it out. Girl, so glad to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Girl, you're a rock star, truly. (laughs) You're kind. You are a rock star. (laughs) I appreciate you. We got to talk already so much, and I just feel like this is just, uh, I don't know, just talking with you gives me so much perspective on life. But I'd love for you to kind of tell everyone um, just a little bit about who you are and um, about the Bolivian Hope Center a little bit. Um, But before you do that, I actually met this girl, which is the craziest way, is um, went to a church and um, we were talking about um, an organization that I'm a part of and then I ended up connecting with you and then you messaged me and you said, hey, uh, I just wanted to connect with you. I felt like I needed to talk with you that the Lord put it on my heart and then met you and your daughter at Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. Well, Chick-fil-A is like the place of all <laughs> right. places to meet people. My husband gave me such a hard time for yeah. going to Chick-fil-A yeah. with <laughs> like, Oh, yeah, yeah. He was he like, was like for you, real? Did you really take him to Chick-fil-A? Yeah, uh, I know. That's God's chicken. That's so, right. Yeah. yeah, for sure. It was awesome. I love Chick-fil-A. <laughs> so we went there and then talked and there was just such a connection that I had with you and your family and um, you began to tell me more about what you did and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so mm-hmm. cool. And, yeah. um, and then we just kept talking and then here we are. Here we are. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, Justin, I've been married for 24 years and for the first, um, 10 years of our life, he was a police officer. Oh, and wow. so, yeah, like okay. he worked eight years, um, in Fort Wayne, Indiana. That's actually where we lived okay. before we moved down here. And then three and a half of those eight, he was undercover vice narcotics. Oh, um, wow. and then we moved here and to be with family and yeah. this, area and he was a police officer for two years in Brentwood, Brentwood, Tennessee. Oh yeah. Okay. And at that time, like our kids were all little babies. I'm a stay at home mom. I do have a teaching degree, but um, we decided for me to stay home. It would be so much better because my paycheck basically would have gone to pay for childcare. Sure. I know. I hear that. (laughs) And it was actually easier on us as a family because of Justin's schedule for me to be a stay at home mom and allow the kids to see their dad because he had such a crazy schedule. And, uh, he decided in 2007 he was going to take a, a missions trip. He actually worked for a small time with the Border Patrol, so he knew some okay. Spanish. So he's like, I know a little bit of Spanish. Yeah. I'm going to go somewhere in South America. So our church at the time was like, hey, yeah. like let's let's go to South America. And I was like, I will wave at you oh my from gosh. the plane, right? Like, have a nice day. Yeah. Like, I'll, So he went on his own. He went on his own. Okay. And he Did went he take to, any of your kids with him or he just... No, because okay. we had babe. I mean, they oh, were, they were five, three, gotcha. and one. Okay. Yeah, yeah, they were little. And so uh, he went to Panama and, okay. and built a school and dug bathrooms and yeah. the holes in the ground yeah. and came back and, and it was a good experience. And then our church actually announced that they were going to be taking a trip to Bolivia okay. to be working with... Um, a missionary and his wife who were starting a home for children whose parents were in prison. Wow. And my husband told me about it. He's like, I really think I want to go on that. And I'm like, we make no money. Yeah. I don't know where you're looking. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But his brother came to him and uh, basically was like, Hey, I raised enough money. Like you can go on this trip or like he's telling his brother, Justin, like you can go on this trip for free basically. Yeah. And so Justin's like free trip to Bolivia, count me in. And so he went but what, what's interesting about all of this is he, uh, because of his police work, he's pretty hard, mm. like hard in the sense of like no emotion. Sure. Right? Yeah. And so it just got to the point where like as his wife, I'm like, you're not crying or not showing any emotion. Like mm. it really kind of worrisome. 
And he actually had a two-year-old pass away in his arms. Oh, gosh. Um, one night walked into a drug house and the baby was caught up behind the wires of yeah. like the TV. And yeah. and uh, he tried to process that in his sleep and ended oh, up just gosh. about choking me. And so <laughs> oh, my gosh. as a wife, I was like, maybe it's time to start yeah. praying. Like, Lord, I don't know what you need to do, but mm-hmm. but heal his heart, help him process. Like, mm-hmm. And, you know, you pray those those prayers, like it all costs, whatever it takes. Oh, I know. Little that. did I know that was going to include me. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's true. I mean, when you pray, I'm always scared to pray those prayers. Yeah. I Especially, was I'm, most, I'm afraid to pray that prayer. Man, mm. Lord, you know, use me however you want to use me. Yeah. What I have is yours. I'll go yeah. wherever you want me to go. And then, you know, the other hard one is when you really surrender your children. When, mm-hmm. hey, God, I surrender my kids to you. Whatever you yep. want to do with them is yours. And then you do that. And then, like you said, like when God actually responds to your prayer and now you're in a place of discomfort of Uh maybe suffering or hardship and then you are brought back to that prayer in which you prayed Mm -hmm. obviously he has a plan in all of it but still it's very uncomfortable um, because it wars against our flesh a lot a hundred percent and i i grew up in a very stable environment we never moved we never did anything excitement like we we basically just visited my grandmother and grandfather's farm in Pennsylvania like okay we never did anything exciting growing yeah. up and then I married him and he kind of was like a gypsy in the sense they moved <laughs> all over the United States his dad yeah. would just be like I want to live in the mountains let's go live in Colorado yeah. Yeah. and they would move and go oh live in Colorado. then they lived in Wyoming and they spent some time in wow. the Carolinas they lived in Florida like yeah that's been his life and then the Lord yeah. puts us together and I think it's hilarious yes. you know now like I said we've we've moved 23 times in 24 oh years of marriage gosh. in three countries like that's a lot. Uh, yeah. So I start rocking when he starts talking about moving, but, um, <laughs> you're like holding yourself. It's like a trigger. Like, I'm okay. I'm fine. There's nothing wrong with me. But with all that to be said, like I was not prepared with how the Lord was going to break his heart and then mm. incent and then, and then turn seeing how God got a hold of him. Yeah. And we went, we went from like, never, I never saw him cry. Mm. I never really saw any true, um, emotion come out of him. Yeah. I mean, not even true happiness, which wow. was frightening. And sure. He went on that t- on that trip, and in Bolivia, um, at that time, the Bolivian Hope Center was not built yet. We were yeah. in the process of building it. Okay. Um, but his job, he was going down there to feed the children that were in prison. So in mm-hmm. Bolivia, when moms go to prison, their children go and live in prison with them. Mm. Um, and because there's no foster care system whatsoever, uh, that's why the children live in prison with moms, because even external families cannot, wow. like other family members can't, provide for them because they're so poor. Sure. Bolivia is the poorest country in all of South America. And so uh, they went in, started a feeding program, feeding the children. Mm-hmm. So they wouldn't have to be peddling for money outside of the prison. Okay. And uh, women actually turn to prostitution while they're in prison because they have to pay to live in prison. Oh, my gosh. And so the men, the men jailers bring men in off the street, take a portion of the money for themselves, give the rest to the women, and then that's how they survive to eat, shower, um, pay for a room, all the above. And men usually don't wow. come to the prison just to have sex with the women. They also take advantage of the children. Oh, my gosh. Um, and so we obviously needed to break that cycle. Um, and because of the law enforcement background Justin had, when he first went into the prison, he said, yeah. I didn't even want to look at the children in the eyes. Like, I was just dishing out food. Oh, my gosh. And then his brother held up a little baby and said, because because women are prostituting themselves out in prison, there are more babies being born. right. In prison, and so his brother held up a baby and said, "Hey, guess what? The name of this baby is." And Justin said, "What?" He said, "It's Justin." 
Mm. And Justin, he said, that must I just, have wrecked him. He did. He said, I literally felt the Lord peel that armor off of my heart mm. and begin to expose, you know, my real heart, my real emotions. He said, yeah. I just literally stood there and broke down. He never had cried. I talked to him probably a couple of days after that while he was in Bolivia, just real quick. And mm. he's crying. Mm. I'm like, um, excuse me. Yeah. I gave birth to three children right. that are yours right. and you never cried once. Right. <laughs> I'm right. not jealous at all, but what is this? Yeah, like, what's going on? But he came back a completely different mm. man. And so in 2009, I vowed that I would go with him and wow. see it for myself. And um, my prayers changed drastically from, you know, get a hold of his heart yeah. to like, Lord, what are you showing us? Because yeah. this is a bigger deal than... Yeah. Then I'm prepared for And so then that launched us into full-time mission work. And we started leading teams all over the world. Yeah. Um, just trying to figure out what the Lord was, was doing and where he wanted us. And right. we just kept coming back to Bolivia. I mean, in one, in one year, I think Justin was down there 23 times. Oh my gosh. We're kind of slow learners, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> so. so when you guys, um, backing up a little bit, you guys, 2009, you went into, uh, full-time mission work and you're, you guys are credentialed through the assemblies of God. We right? are, okay. We are. Now, did you come from a family or did he come from a family of missionaries or, uh, even pastors or just ministry in general or. So his dad and mom both got radically saved as adults. Okay. Um, and actually after Justin was born, he was probably two years old when his dad got saved radically. Okay. Um, and then his dad was just an evangelist, like just, Love the Lord. Didn't matter who you were. Yeah. <laughs> he would talk to you about Jesus. I mean, everybody knew that, yeah. that his dad loved Jesus. Okay. And he actually got credentialed through a church that they attended in New York. Yeah. Um, and, be, and was a pastor through that church. Okay. Um, other than that, I mean, no. On my side of the family, I grew up Lutheran. Mm-hmm. You know, and so when I told my parents that I was marrying this Pentecostal boy. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, they handle snakes, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really a cult. And we, when we started dating in college, we went to a non-denominational church together. And, and it was very eye-opening for me that anybody uh, would even worship this way. Like, yeah. it really caught my attention. And yeah. then just to sense the, the power of the Holy Spirit and just seeing how real yeah. you could have an authentic relationship with Jesus. And it wasn't yes. religion. It was authentic relationship with Jesus. I wanted all of that. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, we, we kind of forged our own trail, just yeah. Justin and I, but... We did have both families, you know, grew up in Christian homes. Sure. His was was by far different than yeah. mine. Sure, sure, sure. Um, That's cool, though. But yeah. I love that. When you said about um, t- different types of families and then forging your own path, I think that's actually really interesting because a lot of times, like, it takes a lot more sometimes to do that when you haven't been necessarily in ministry or you haven't been in um, missions before right. or even a pastor's kid, and then you're kind of stepping out in new ground. Mm-hmm. Um your kids haven't seen it in the past. This is like, hey, we're going to forge new territory yeah. and experience new things. And you mm-hmm. go out there and you're just right. going. And, and you think that everybody in the family is going to be super excited because you're like, we're working for Jesus. Yeah, and they're like, were they no. Not? Oh, really? It's different. I, I can't say no across the board. I think their biggest concern, when, especially when we said, hey, we're going down, down to Bolivia and we're going to live there. Yeah. And we're taking your grandchildren. You oh, know, like we're yeah. all going whether you like it or not, right. um, 
yeah, you don't. That is hard. You don't quite get the. Re- I know. <laughs> the reception. It kind of goes that, back to what we were saying earlier yeah. about that prayer of saying, "Man, I'm going to let my kids go." Mm-hmm. I mean, if I was a grandparent, yeah, and I was living the dream, and I had my kids living with me, mm-hmm. and I'm seeing, you know, my right. my grandkids and doing life, and all of a sudden, my daughter and my son says to me, "Hey, we're leaving." Yeah. I mean, I would be heartbroken. Six thousand miles. Truly, away. yeah. Especially when you're older, because you think, "Man, I I lived my whole life to mm-hmm. be able to get to a point to where this. I could just." Mm-hmm. enjoy those grandparent moments. Yeah. And so I could see as a grandparent from their perspective where you're excited that your kids are following Jesus, but yep. at the same time, you're like, you're going to Bolivia where right. I'm never going to see my never. grandkids Mm-mm. until who knows when. Right. I mean, that is hard. It's extremely that hard. Is hard. And it's hard for you guys too, because as, as a spouse, I mean, you're, I mean, I'm sure you want your kids to be around. Your we family do. We actually specifically moved to Tennessee to be with family. So Justin's older brother and his wife lived in Las Vegas, Nevada. Okay. And we lived in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And yeah. his younger brother lived in Buffalo, New York. And we just, okay. we wanted to raise our children around each other. We wanted yeah, yeah. our cousins, like the cousins to know each other. Right. And we picked a state. And right. we picked Nashville, Tennessee, which is funny. And we came down yeah. here and visited in 2005, fell in love with it and moved yeah. in 2006. So for us, like family was everything. Mm. And that was that, that geared our relationship or our, 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 how we even came to be here. Yeah. And so when we were actually getting a lot closer to leaving to go to Bolivia, our, wow. our youngest daughter who was, um, she was eight at the time. She looked at us and she said, but, but you, you moved here so we could be with family and now you're taking us away from them. Mm. And that's so hard. It is extremely hard. Walking through knowing, but we're doing what Jesus is telling us to do and right. trying to get to explain that to an eight-year-old who's like, but this is my life. Yeah. Like my, our kids were not necessarily missionary kids that were raised on the field from when they were little all the right, way up. Right, right. I mean, like, they already stable right. doing their Our life oldest was here. 12, you know, and yes. so to to look at their lives and try and tell them, but you know, Bolivia is your home. No, yeah. <laughs> Bolivia is not our home. Right. Like Bolivia is where we visit. Sure. Um, we might be there three years at a time, but like right. they know that they're united, like they're American citizens, yes. like they know where they've come from. And right. so there was a lot of hard times, a lot of hard yeah. transition going through that and still trusting and believing like, yeah. okay, Lord, <laughs> yeah. are and you it, sure you're calling us to this? For sure. And it's so I've experienced this with my own children as well, too, you know, not in the extreme measure that you just gave, but more in the context of when there has been specific times where we have relocated and Mm -hmm. we needed to tell our children, hey, you know, we really believe that this is where God is calling us to go next. Mm -hmm. And then when you get there, it's not great Mm-mm. and there's things that are very hard mm-hmm. and they're looking at you like are you really sure that you heard god yeah. and i remember one time my son actually said that to me and he was he was probably around 11 mm-hmm. and he said to me dad i just don't really believe you heard god on this because it's so hard yeah i'm having such a terrible time here right. and as a parent you can look back and think man did i make a mistake right or uh should we have thought things through more? Right. Um, and so that is very difficult because I think a lot of times, especially at their age, they're thinking, oh, if you do what Jesus wants you to do, then you get good things. Right. And that prosperity it's gospel is kind so of prosperity gospel. <laughs> and, and it's just like, man, that's not true at all. Well, and it's this idea. And I think I tell myself the same thing, you know, but Lord, yeah, we said yes to you. Right. Why did these things happen? Right. Like, 
we went from being a family of five mm-hmm. and then working with children who have all been physically yeah. and sexually abused to being now a mama of three of my own in Spanish, I would say propio niños of my own children. Propio niños. Propio niños. Did I say that too? right? You did. You All did right. good. But I don't even know what that means. What does it mean? My own children. My own children. Propio okay. is my own. Okay. And then. Did you know that, Messiah? <laughs> Messiah is our producer. What's up? You didn't know propio. Okay. <laughs> to having 32 to 40. I'm going to order a taco and go, can I get the propio niños? <laughs> propio niños tacos. <laughs> They'd be like, what? You want did your you own just children say? tacos? <laughs> Super. So funny. Someone oh actually gosh. asked in language school as we digress, how do you say taco in Spanish? I was like, are we for real? Is that a joke? Oh and she gosh. was legit asking. Oh and I thought the language teacher was going to fall out. Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny when Starbucks does it too, because Starbucks does a lot of that. They'll say like, you know, cafe con leche with milk. Right. Which is milk with milk. Milk with milk. Yeah. Or chai tea. Chai tea. Chai chai. Yeah, chai chai. Which is was in the last Spider Man, which I loved. Right. That the guy's he's he's like, You don't say chai tea. <laughs> You're saying tea tea. Right? It's so funny. The language the things oh we tell gosh. ourselves to sound more smart. I know, fun. I know. Yeah. That is really funny. The chai tea ones cracks me up. When I Every saw time. that on Spider Man, I was laughing so hard. So Every anyways. Time. Yeah. No. So we had, you know, you, you go from a family of five to like almost a family of 50 yeah. in one day. And the adjustment that my children had to make with sharing Jeez. me, um, sharing their dad. Um, yeah. And the unfortunate part of, of moving full time <laughs> to Bolivia is that we thought because we had made so many trips down to Bolivia that it mm-hmm. was going to be easy. Sure. That we always told people when we were we were raising our funds to get down there, it's yeah. like going home because right. that's how we felt. We were sure. very comfortable yeah, yeah. in the sense of we've been there so many times. Right. But then when you assume that mantle of we are now mom and dad to all of these children, I was not prepared for the mantle that brought <clears throat> all of their hardships and all mm. of the pain and their stories and everything that they walk, just like you do with your own children, when right. you see your kids hurting and struggling, mm-hmm. you hurt with them. Yeah. When you see them trying to process, like, Dad, I think you might have made a mistake. Like, right. when they tell you, when they're open and honest, and you yeah. have that relationship with them, it breaks you yes. at times, right? So I had that multiplied across the board oh, sure. in one day. And, man, I was not prepared for that. Yeah. And I don't think you really can. It's like when, you, when you're pregnant. And you're having a baby and everybody gives you all mm. their information they think you need to know. Like, sure, yeah. Let me share with you all these things yeah, that you yeah, should know. Yeah. And you you were like, thank you. That was right. wise information. But you really don't know until the baby shows up. Yes. Right? Like what works for you. Right. What schedule works for you. Right. Are, you know, all those things. And it was no different. But Gotcha. And the kids. So I think just kind of clear, defining the Hope Center. I mean, these are kids that um, from what. I believe you just said they're kids that are taken from mm-hmm. the prison while mm-hmm. their mom's right. finishing out their sentence, yep. staying with you guys. Yeah. And these kids have been trafficked, abused mm-hmm. sexually. So, I mean, they have tons of trauma tons and baggage. Trauma. What are the ages that are? Six that you... to, so six to 18 okay. right now in, in our Hope Center. And wow. we've actually just started a new ministry um, that extends to our post 18 year olds, which is, you know, anyone that wants to go into work or the university. Right. Um, we, it's, it's just an apartment that we have right now for 
our kids so that they have a place to go, that mm-hmm. they're still close to us. Right. Um, but we're still there to help them walk through yeah. adulthood. Right. So we're really excited about yeah, it. It's our next cool. steps program and, and we're really thankful that we have the space for it. Yeah. Um, and so we help them when they're, what does it look like to get into the university or right. how, how do I have a job? Sure. And now how do I go from cooking for 50 people to right. like me? Right. Right. And what does that look like? And yeah. and how much does it cost to buy shampoo for just me? Right. right? We don't have a vat of it anymore. Like it's, right. and you can choose what shampoo you want. Yes. You know, now it's taken the, the bigness of the Hope Center down to, we want to prepare them for life. Yeah, we sure. want to prepare them for what bills look like and, mm-hmm. Um, and all of that stuff that y- you hopefully do with your own children right. when they're under your roof. Sure. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, they can stay with us until they're ready to go. Okay. And so a lot of times. And how many would potentially be with you guys at one time? I mean, do you uh, have a cap of how many can actually stay there? Or Yeah, well, that's the hard part. I know that's part. hard. I know because it's like, oh, we're already we're at capacity. We're going to take all of them, right? Know, right? You do. You want to take as many as you can. We have we have the capacity at the Hope Center to take thirty six, okay. and then the apartment um, that can house even more 10, 10 or more children. But okay. usually they don't all age out right. at the same time. Sure. You know, it's kind of like this little trickle trickle effect, yes. you know, that happens. So that's yeah. a lot easier on mom. Yeah, that they're not all right. <laughs> just leaving the nest at the same time. Right. Um. So yeah, it's uh, it's a lot, and and we're the only home in mm. in Bolivia that does this. Wow. And so there are other, you know, people will say, well, you know, how is it to be in an orphanage? We are, we're really not an orphanage. Mm. Um, we're a foster home. Mm. We're just a foster home on steroids. Yeah. You know, Justin and I. 36 foster children. Yes. Goodness gracious. It is a bit much. And, And it's funny because someone will be like, well, you know, do you know when this one's birthday is? And I'm like, right. Yes, I've got that in my back pocket. Hold on one second. It's yeah, called yeah. my calendar on my phone. Right. Um, but I do, I typically do know their ages and those sorts of things. Their likes or dislikes, everything that you would as a mother. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just on a much grander scale, right? Gosh. But it's it's funny because someone was asking me, we just had a team come down from our church and it was so great. We loved having them there. And Yeah, you guys go to New Tribe New Tribe. Yeah. New Tribe great and pastor. Shout out. Shout out. Shout out to Jared Smith. Jared and Jennifer. Yeah. Woo. Which they just started fostering. They did. Such a beautiful story. <sighs> oh, I can't wait to hear it. Wait, yeah. yeah. The Lord's going to redeem. He's going to be on here soon, thing. which I'm, I'm excited. so excited for that. Yeah. yeah. That's going to be It's awesome. just a beautiful thing to see them walk through. I know it's hard. I know it's a hard season yeah, right sure. now, but God redeems everything. Come on. He is such a good father that used all the beauty <laughs> that he can from the ashes of our life and mm. even, even our children's lives um, when they make bad choices. So, yeah. you know, he's a good father that... Yes. He is in the power and the job of redeeming what yeah. we think is lost. So, that's right. That's right. Um, and we believe that for every one of our kids that come through the Hope Center as well. You know, yeah. some of them come through and they're only with us for a short season and other yeah. ones. Um, you know, we have a family of five right now. Uh, it's actually uh, the two oldest daughters um, in this family were raped violently by their father. Mm. And they were actually uh, rescued out of that home by their neighbor. Okay. She caught on that this was happening. She actually heard oh, it happening. And so started inquiring of other neighbors. And they kind of were like, yeah, right. but we mind our own business. We don't get involved. Right, right. Culturally, they tend not to. They're very non-confrontational oh, as a really? society. Okay. Um, and so she she's a teacher. And mm. she just said, I can't live this close and hear this happen and do nothing about it. Mm. And so found out dad was at... at um, 
He was videoing these things and putting them online. And Oh, my gosh. She put her life on the line and walked into the home one day and told the girls, I'm taking you out of here right now. Get your things. And she called. Um, basically, it would be like Child Protective Services. Okay. And found out. That, so we are an emergency placement center for children. Okay. Um, we can take... We can take children that are in an extreme situation like right, that right. Um, for anywhere from 24 hours to like, a you know, whatever it is gotcha. that they need to be with us. Okay. Um, because at this point, this father had not been arrested yet. Right. So the girls ended up being taken to um, a treatment center, treatment yeah. facility to work with children who had been trafficked or uh, unfortunately been been victims of violent crimes like that. Yeah. Um, and then we had the other three children come and live with us. Okay. And just recently, um, those two older girls had to testify before, mm. um, a judge. We were really worried they were going to have to testify before their father. Right. But thankfully we prayed specifically that the Lord would keep them from seeing their father Yeah. to keep that trauma at a bare minimum if yeah. there was anything possible. And, uh, and we remember, I remember praying specifically and I, and I was just a mess. I mean, I was, I was oh, beside I myself imagine. praying for them because yeah. I knew we were prepared for what felt like kind of the worst case scenario that they were yeah. going to have to look him in the face and talk about the things that he had done to them. Um, and the, the one, uh, the oldest one took my hand and she said, don't worry, mommy, I, I'm going to be okay. We're going to mm. be okay. They were encouraging me. How old were they again? So they're 16 and 16 14. And 14. And that's been yeah. happening obviously in their, their life whole for a life. while. Yeah. Oh, their whole life. Their whole life. Oh my gosh. Until they came to be with us. Yeah. Jeez. You yeah. know, I, what do you, or how do you navigate dealing with such darkness and seeing these kids that have mm -hmm. gone through so much? when you go to prayer and mm -hmm. your faith in Christ, do you feel like there's just a heaviness of, man, these kids have no hope of ever coming out of this with faith in Jesus or, or any type of yeah, just their, their life is unsalvageable yeah. because of the trauma that they experienced. I yeah. mean, have, I know for me just hearing it, I mean, I can't imagine going to that and just having to like, have the, enough faith to believe like, man, we're going to take, we're going to believe that God's going to radically change this kid. Yeah. Their life is going to be salvaged. They're going to yeah. get healing. And then they come out on the other side and God brought them total healing. I mean, have you seen that happen in some of these kids? Um, oh yeah. hundred percent. Really? There was, so one of the situations that we, we had, um, I think I was telling you this a little bit. So the, the movie, um, the sound of freedom. Yeah. So <laughs> Justin and I had, had received a family of five, but we were missing the, the oldest sister in that family. Okay. And we started inquiring of, of the younger siblings, like, Hey, do you know where your sister is? And they're like, no, she just kind of vanished one day, but then we came here. So we don't know, like, did she get a job? Did something else right. happen? Like we, we have no idea Yeah. like where she went. And so we started asking our social, our social worker, like, do you know where she went? Okay. And so the social worker asked around to no avail, got nowhere. We went to oh, the men's wow. prison then, um, dad was actually in prison for raping a 12 year old that oh was not part of that family, but a family in, in their, in their village yeah. where they lived. And, uh, so we went into the men's jail and had a conversation very briefly with the father. And, and it was disgusting because when we called him to the, to the gates, we're not actually allowed inside that jail. It's just too violent. Right. Um, we, we brought him to the gates and, and I looked at him and I said, we're looking for your oldest daughter. Do you know where she is? And he had this very sadistic look on his face. 
that mm. you you know he's demon possessed. You know there's something big going on because I couldn't even look him in the face. It bothered mm. me so badly. And he had this smirk on his face and he said, I gifted her to my best friend. Mm. And and it, honestly, as learning another language at 40, you're like, surely I didn't hear that right, right? And right. like you're so, like, it's so loud in here. So my husband looked at him and said, you did what? He said, I gifted her because if he were to say I sold her or anything, he would know, right? Mm-hmm. He's, he's choosing his words wisely that he gave her to his best friend. And we oh knew that gosh. that implied so many more things than of he course. was really saying. And so we from there uh, got the address of this friend and that day drove up into the into the yard like gangbusters really? and walked into the house. And oh thankfully he wasn't there. He was at work, but his wife was there. And uh, we said, she's coming with us and this is not an option. And we did have child protective services with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so proceeded to bring her and explain to her, we have your other siblings with us. We want you to come with us. And the hard part is this man was a pedophile. Mm. Right. So he was giving her everything she could ever want. Mm. She had a phone. She had beautiful clothes. She had a roof over her head in a good neighborhood. I mean, this guy was well off. Mm -hmm. And uh, it just was it was you thought for sure she would be like, yes, please take me. But she was torn Mm. because she knew the life that she came from. Mm -hmm. And she didn't understand where we were really wanting to take her because we're here, some white people, right? right, Showing up at your door and you're no idea what's happening. And and then all of a sudden, you know, that that she knows this is a government worker and explaining that like, we've got your siblings with us. And so we get her to the hope center and we, and we bring her in there and she looks around and the kids, take her for a tour. She's now seeing her siblings that she hadn't seen in a good, mm, you know, six months. And, um, and it was, it was a beautiful kind of reunion. Yeah. And I pull her aside after we're all done. And I said, Hey, are you, are you prepared to live here with us? You know, mm-hmm. we really want to know you're 12 years old. I know you have some ideas about, you know, what you want to do with your life, but we think this is a better fit. Mm-hmm. We don't want to see you go back to that bad situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's, she kind of cocked her little hip out, had her little sunglasses up on her head, <laughs> had a little bit of a toot to her. And yeah. she was like, yeah, I guess so. You yeah. know, this really like, I really don't want to say yes or no, but I think it was just a defense mechanism. For sure. And uh, so then we fast forward a good three months of her being there with us. And we were seeing a lot of behavior from her. It was mm-hmm. really rough behavior in the sense of being extremely uh, violent mm-hmm. and reacting to some of the other girls, yeah. name calling, screaming. I mean, all of the things. Yeah. And the older girls were getting kind of irritated with her as well because sure. they were like, she's 12, right? She's not 16. Like right. she needs to realize her space in this, right. <laughs> in right. this time. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I pulled her aside and I was like, Hey, I need you. I need you to understand that um, you have some unforgiveness in your heart. Mm-hmm. And I get that, right? Like you're hurting. Mm. But Jesus wants to heal you. He wants to help you walk through this bitterness and anger that you've got going on. Mm -hmm. And she looked at me and she said, it must be nice to talk about God in such a beautiful way, Mm -hmm. right? That He's so loving, he's so good, and that he loves me. But where was God when that man was raping me every night? Mm -hmm. And what do you say? Like, is there a class to walk me through that? Because I would love to know. And, uh... And if I were being completely honest, I think I thought that every day, God, mm. where were you? 
yeah. in the midst of these stories, their I lives. Because you can think, your mind can go crazy with that, where you can think of so many situations of how God could have intervened. Intervened. In some stopped, small way, even right? a practical way, where something maybe they didn't go that route right. that day like that caused how? them to be trafficked or 100%. they didn't, you know, fill in the blank. Your mind can go crazy. All of it. Um, and it is hard. It's so hard. And what do you, I mean, where did you land in that? So I, yeah, I looked at her and just said, I, I know God is good and he's going to give us an answer and I don't have it right now because mm. I'm, I'm, I'm broken with you and I'm mm. hurting with you. And, uh, I went back to my room and I, I pretty much ate dirt. <laughs> I just hit the floor and just lost it and mm. angry and crying and hurt and just, I don't understand this, Lord. You called us to this, and I don't have an answer for her because I'm wondering the same thing. I'm angry. Yeah. How could you love her and allow that? Yeah. And uh, I love that response that you gave her. In times of trauma or in times of people going through really difficult times, I think some of the worst things that mm. people can say is, man, I understand. Yeah, you don't. And, uh, <laughs> You know, my mom recently passed away from uh, stage four cancer and mm. people that have lost their parents have said to me multiple times, man, I understand where you're coming from. And mm. I'm like, no, you don't. Not really. Because you don't know my mom. You, and don't. you don't know our story. And I don't know your story. Right. You know, and um, sometimes just saying, I don't know mm-hmm. what you're going through or just saying, man, I'm angry with you. I'm hurt with you. Right. And I don't understand why God would allow that to happen. Right. Um and I'm angry with you. That, right. That I'm sure that probably affected her. Yeah. It probably wasn't. Ex- she probably wasn't expecting you to say that. She, well, I need to like. I want to know if someone doesn't know something. Like, don't. Right. I think the hardest thing as Christians is that we feel like we needed to give that Jesus Bible answer. <laughs> right. But I'm gonna be honest with you. There's no answer to give in that moment. Mm. That she wasn't ready to receive it either. Yeah. And and sometimes I think pe- why why do we have such a hard time sitting with people in grief? Mm. It's because it makes us uncomfortable. Yeah. It's not because it makes you uncomfortable. It makes us as the person watching them walk through it uncomfortable because we don't know what to say. Yeah. Because we think we have, yes, Jesus is the answer. Yes, he is the resurrection and the life. Yes, mm. all those things. But in that person's brokenness, yeah. they may not be ready to receive what you really have to say. Right. So sit with them in their grief. Let them grieve. I love that. Let them just walk through what that looks like. And when you... When when they're ready, the Holy Spirit will prompt you mm. and allow you then. But golly, it, it drives me crazy sometimes that we struggle as Christians to not just be able to look at someone and just say, that sucks. Yeah. Because things hurt sometimes. Right, right. And Jesus understands that. Yeah. He was hurt by some of his closest friends. He gets it. Yeah. But he also never swooped in and, and was like, okay, get yourself together. <laughs> like, right. Right. He sat with them in their grief, yeah. but he also reminded them that he was a he, that he healed, right? Yeah, for sure. No, that's so good. I mean, I love, I love that thought of sitting with someone in their grief and just being there yeah. without having to say you something don't have to say anything. religious or quoting a scripture. Mm-hmm. I can't, t- and it's hard because, like, it kind of puts you in a position as someone that's grieving. Where when you're getting all this content right, and all of a sudden it starts to kind of anger you a little bit. I mean, yeah. I'm, I experienced this a little bit again with my mom is so many people were just spouting off scripture to me 
over and over and over. And mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm a, a minister, I'm a pastor. I mean, I've been right. pastoring for years and not that I'm above hearing scripture by any means. Mm-mm. Uh, it just was overwhelming. Like, honestly, like it didn't really bring me that much peace at all. If anything, right. it, it was just, um, in some ways obnoxious because right. I just kept saying, thinking to myself, you know, I don't need you to give me like an answer yeah. or I don't need you to tell me that like, man, God's going to heal her by taking her home. Like right. I know all that. Right. Like all you have to say and some of the, some of the closest people in my life, I mean, I remember one text specifically, they just sent me, they just said, man, I could never know what you're going through. I love you. I'm here for you. I'm grieving with you. Hmm. And, um, it was beautiful when he said that because he lost someone very, very close to him, mm-hmm. uh, with a battle of cancer as well too. Right. And I'm, and I knew that, but it just blessed me that he didn't throw out a scripture at me. Right. And he just said, man, I'm praying for you. I'm just right. basically sitting you with sitting mm-hmm. with you in your grief. A hundred percent. So I'm sure that that impacted her. How did that kind of unfold as you guys right. progressed well, forward after you ate that, dirt for a right, I did. Long. Isn't it funny? <laughs> So really, actually, that night um, I was getting ready for bed and the Lord reminded me of the story of Lazarus. And I was mm-hmm. like, OK, that's interesting. And uh, and so he said, I want you to go back and read that account of Lazarus. And, you know, scripture is, is alive. Yeah. Right. And it, yes. it's funny how you will read something for the 500th time and you maybe have never seen something before. And so yeah. as I was reading through that account of Lazarus. Something I never realized is that both Mary and Martha confronted Jesus about why he didn't come immediately and heal mm. their brother. Both of them separately looked at him and said, why weren't you here? Yeah. If you would have been here, right. this would have never happened. Yeah. And Jesus was looking at the bigger picture, obviously, and getting them to understand, like, I am the resurrection and the life. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, that's great in the hereafter. And he's like, no, like. I, you have resurrection power. I have resurrection power. I'm raising him from the dead, not literally, but also figured like I'm going to be doing a work in him. That's so good. Right. Rebuilding him from taking him in from death into life. And that's Mm -hmm. not just physical. Mm -hmm. And the Lord explained to me, you know, you want me to rush in. I get that. But I was in you. That's where I was. Mm. I was in you and you have a story Mm. and see what I wasn't doing at the time when all of this was going on is I didn't share with anybody my testimony, mm. but I have a testimony of being uh, sexually abused as, as a child mm. um, and walking through that then because I didn't come to terms with any of it until I was an adult. Mm. I pushed it so far to my toes um, wow. because I didn't want to, I didn't want to deal with it. Right. I thought if I could leave it there, um, it would just go away. Mm. And I did not come to know who Jesus was until I was uh, 18 year olds, 18 year old in, in college. Mm-hmm. And I was suicidal. Mm-hmm. I was making a lot of bad choices um, with boys, unfortunately, in my life. And I didn't have a great relationship at the time with my father. And a lot of that spiraled from mm-hmm. what happened to me as a child. Mm-hmm. My body meant nothing to me. So mm-hmm. what, what did it matter if I slept with somebody? Yeah. What did it matter if I made choices that were that were wrong? Yeah. It didn't. Right. Because somebody had abused that in me. Yeah. And because of that, it led me down a very, very dark road. But in that dark road is where I met Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and he actually came into my dorm room and looked at me and said, you're not going to die. You're going to live. Mm. And I'm going to show you how. And I had no idea. 
Because I grew up in a very different world. And yeah. to try and explain to anybody that like, sure. Jesus came in my dorm room, they'd probably <laughs> think I was crazy, right? Um, but it was real. And yeah. I know it was. And, yeah. uh, and he explained to me that night in Bolivia, uh, you overcome by my blood mm-hmm. and the word of your testimony. And so will she. Mm. And I went to her and I, for the first time in my life, uh, shared what happened to me as a child Mm. and how God raised me from the dead Mm. and healed me. And he brought this little white girl (laughs) from Tennessee (laughs) to tell her how much he loves her. Yeah. And she could not believe it and Mm. looked at me and said, that happened to you? Um, They have this idea that because we live in the United States that we all live in these like, you know, Bel Air mansions and... (laughs) We, we yeah. drive flying cars. <laughs> it's right, kind right, of funny. Right. Um, they don't understand that bad happens everywhere. Sure. And uh, just me being able to share my testimony with her. Gosh. And her knowing the redemptive power of who Christ is and the healing that he offers each and every one of us. Yeah. Um, she looked at me and she said, if you show me how, I'll try. Mm. And man, that, that turned into just nights of talking and praying with her, walking through that healing. And she loves Jesus. Really? We have seen a a huge change in her. She's actually getting ready. She graduates at the end of this year. She will move on to our next steps program. Oh, wow. She is one of our, you know, the success stories that you love to tell, right? Oh, man. I would love to say that we have all all of our children are success stories. But unfortunately, they're not. Right. Um, But her story means, probably it means the most to me right now in my life. Um, because it it meant that I had to open my mouth. Yeah. And my testimony is not one where I just love to sit back and tell it to everybody oh, because sure. it, yeah, it involves deep. a lot of shame, unfortunately, on my sure. part. You know, even in my sin, I knew what I was doing was wrong. Even sure. in that brokenness, I knew. I knew right from wrong. Yeah. Um, but it was also the very thing that threw me in the arms of Jesus. Right. And so... I think we do ourselves a disservice sometimes when we want to just offer nothing but the Jesus Bible answers, yeah. but we're not giving people the understanding of, and you don't have to have that, that testimony, right? right. My, Justin has a beautiful testimony of loving Jesus in his entire life right. and loving him so much that he, he didn't stray from the Lord. Right. He stayed, he stayed true to Jesus and yeah. Jesus has blessed him for yeah. that in the sense of like, I look at our family and I look at our kids and yeah, I just awesome. see the beauty of how he brought the two of us together and just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and what we're doing in Bolivia, like all of that together, not easy and it is dark, but it's, it's taught me so much about sitting with the kids in their grief. Yes. When our team, when, when new tribe was actually down in Bolivia, I asked the kids, I said, the group wants to have just a really quick devotional time. I said, why do you think the group, why do you think God sends groups from the United States? Why is that so important? And, you know, one of them raised their hand. She said, because God wants to show us, you know, that he loves us. Mm. I said, that's right. He does. And I said, why else? And one of our other girls, she raised her hands and she said, to remind us that we're wanted. Mm. What? Wow. Who doesn't want to feel that? Man, I'm I'm just thinking of that church, you know, because, you know, being in ministry and going on various different missions trips, Mm -hmm. I mean... It's always funny to me when people do go on missions trips for their mm-hmm. first time. And not funny, but you just know what people are going to experience because right. a lot of times they think 
they're going to go change the world and they're just marching off into the sunset. <laughs> and really what really happens is, mm-hmm. um, you know, they actually are more impacted personally than yeah. really the impact that they made the where they're at. 100%. Um, not that they don't do good things, mm-hmm. but typically there's already a ministry established there. Mm-hmm. They're rocking things out. And then a team comes and supports a ministry that's already right. established um, right. is from the context I've usually seen in these trips. Um, and so they do great work and it's definitely needed and God does great things, but they come back. And I'm just thinking in their perspective, man, they're they probably were, just thinking, whoa, yeah. my gosh. Yeah, they were jacked up, I will say. It <laughs> was uh, <laughs> it, it was a wonderful time. The plane ride back time. was really quiet. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. We we really wanted to talk with them about reentry. It's something Justin and I yeah. always try and do. Because um, reentry back in the United States, after mm. your eyes have seen what you see yeah. um, in Bolivia and in the, in the time sure. that you you spend with the kids. Oh, I can't imagine. It's amazing. And then you you have to say goodbye to them. Yes. And our kids cry. They do oh. because they make such they beautiful make connections yeah, with, yeah. with the team members. And uh, so we, Justin and I came back um, from Bolivia and we were getting text messages like crazy from people on the team. Yeah. I'm struggling. I'm angry. Mm. And it's because now, see, this is this is who Jesus is. Revelation brings responsibility. Mm. What are you going to do with what God showed you, right? What's the purpose of taking a missionary or a mission trip if you do nothing with it? Mm. Yeah, you had a great time, but then that's a vacation, right? Mm. So what what are you going to do now with the responsibility that you have, like that you that's been revealed yes. to you that your eyes have been able to see, and and what are you going to do with that? You know, is that there's foster children everywhere in the United States that need yes. homes. There's not one child in foster care that would look at you and say, nah, I'm better off enough, you know, they need adopted. They need, I mean, they need good solid yes, homes, right? right? So that happens here in the United States. Is that it? Oh yeah. Is, is it something where you need to partner with a ministry financially, yeah, prayerfully, right. whatever that is, yeah. right? That looks like that. I but, love what you just said. Real, a revelation, uh, when you get revelation, then you have responsibility. You do. Revelation brings responsibility. I think is the way that you said it. It does. Yeah. Which is so huge. And our house coordinator at the bridge house said it this way too. You don't care until you're exposed to something. Mm-hmm. And when you're exposed to something, right. All of a sudden you're just thinking, Oh my gosh, now right. I feel like compelled to do something. Right. And, it's scary because I think one trap that we can find in our life that the enemy can use is keep us so comfortable mm-hmm. in our routines. And we think, oh, if we're not, you know, consuming alcohol regularly, if we're not smoking, if we're not, we're going to church on Sunday, if we're, we don't have any immorality in our life, then then we're good mm-hmm. and we're raising our kids and right. you know, we're just routine. We're doing our thing. Doing my thing and you can get so comfortable in that and you end up missing out on so much. And, I, and it's true for all of us. I mean, I think that the, the human tendency is to always go to that place of being comfortable. I mean, in, in, in every part of our life, mm-hmm. you know, we don't want to work out, you know, we want to eat food that tastes good. I mean, mm-hmm. any discipline that our body really needs, we try to work against yeah. just automatically because right. of sin, really. Right. And so I think it's so important that we have people around us and that we put ourselves in a position of being exposed or being having situations where we have a revelation right. so that we can allow the Lord to speak. Right. Um, because if we just, like you said, you just go on a mission trip and then that's it. Mm-hmm. 
it's like you said, it was a feel good vacation. Oh, that was nice. Like I did something and got to experience a different country and I'm come back and I'm just going to do my thing. But it's like, what about all the kids here? Right. That need, need that have been trafficked or, Mm -hmm. I mean, when you look at, again, going back to, you know, sound of freedom, Mm -hmm. the United States is like the hub. We are the largest um, proponent of pornography in the world. There you go. I mean, it is, it is frightening. It is just frightening. And I think it's sad that sometimes we think, well, that's not really happening. No, it is. Oh, it is. is, 100%. We had a kid at the Bridge House, multiple. I mean, pretty much every child that comes into our location, Mm -hmm. I would say, has a safety plan showing that they're sexually reactive, Mm -hmm. which means that they, as you know, have a Mm -hmm. tremendous amount of trauma because someone Mm -hmm. either raped them or Mm -hmm. abused them in some form. Yeah. And I remember one kid that came in one time and um, looking at his safety plan just crushed me. Mm. Just seeing that he was basically trafficked by his own family for years. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't even allowed to be around his brothers and sisters because of him being sexually reactive because of the trauma that they've all experienced. Um, And I remember we took him, uh, we took him out one time and we did something uh, out at a at like entertainment with a few of us and just mm-hmm. gave him an experience to do something fun. And right. he looked at it and it was something really simple. And he just like, this is the best day of my entire life. Mm. And it was something so simple that right. we do all the time, just bowling, just hanging out right. and eating pizza. You mm-hmm. know, we, people do that all the time in America. You know, right. he's like, this is the best day of my life. Right. And I just, my heart just broke for that child. Mm-hmm. And that's just one of mm. hundreds that have mm-hmm. come through even our location. And so, mm-hmm. When you're looking at just the scope of the responsibility that we have as Christians, it's big. And we have a responsibility to immerse ourselves in situations so that we can be exposed and then we can say, okay, God, like, what do you want me to do? Right. And we say this all the time, which is, I love, um, it's not my quote, but a need seen is an assignment given. Right. And I love that because if you see that need and you're like, man, instead of sitting back and being like, I'm going to pray about that. God, do you want mm-hmm. me to help a child that's been trafficked and, and raped? And I mean, God's the answer is yes. Yeah. Like, yes, no you are pray. responsible. <laughs> yeah. No need to pray about that. Yeah, yeah. God's been pretty clear, right? Like one of our favorite sayings that we have, it's actually on a t-shirt that we've made um, multiple times. And it's called, it's, it's a statement from David Livingstone, who actually was a missionary to Africa. Okay. And uh, it says sympathy is no substitute for action, mm. right? You can feel bad about something, but but then, like, that's great that you feel bad about it, yeah. but what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Like, I'm not saying we all have to do these grand things, right? You know, people will say, well, I don't think God's called me to be to Bolivia. Well, maybe not. We're always looking for missionaries. Mm-hmm. Just put that out there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're welcome to come join us, guys. Yeah. But... But God does ask us to do something, right? Yeah. We literally have that cure for cancer, in a sense, that's mm-hmm. rotting our bodies away spiritually. And and when we just decide, like, I can just go ahead and check off my list that I've been to church, I did the right thing, yeah. I feel good about myself, well, that's great, that's good. Yeah. None of that is wrong. Like, you need no. to be in the body of Christ. Like, for you sure. need that accountability. Absolutely. We need all of those things. 100%. But we also are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Yes. And what does that look like? What does that look like? And it's different for everybody, right? Yeah. Like literally just read through this the other day. Not all of us are called to be a hand. Not mm-hmm. all of us are called to be eyes. Like mm-hmm. we all have different gifts. We all have different yes. parts of the body. Like what we do 
makes a difference for the kingdom of God. Yeah. And when we bring teams down to Bolivia, that shows kingdom to our mm. kids in no way that we can ever, yes. if it were just Justin and I, they would understand that to a certain extent. Sure. But when they see people come down and of get course. broken, it makes them understand in a whole different measure that God is bigger yes. than they will ever understand yes. and how we are a kingdom, right? And that somos familia, we are family because we are the we are the family of God that extends beyond the borders of Bolivia, that extends to the United States, yes. wherever you might be. Mm. And, it, and it speaks to their, to their worth yeah. because our children on a daily basis struggle with their worth yes. because of the people oh, that sure. hurt them, Established their family. a sense of worth from the beginning that they're trying yep. to... They're expendable. Yes. And it doesn't matter. And it even goes to the point of like where they're in school that we're, we're actually working to... Uh, we have a building on our, on our property that we will be turning soon into a school so that yeah. our children don't have to leave our property anymore to go to a... Oh, a another, That's yeah, cool. It'll be great, finally. Um, but those teachers sometimes will look at them and say, well, you're just a prison kid. Mm. I'm like, I'm sorry, but when when is it okay to make the child pay for the sins of the father? Yeah. You know, or the mother, so to speak. Right. Like, when is that okay? Right. But that's what they hear. Right. And just like any child, they take that as their, as their scarlet letter. Yes. And they wear it around. Yes. And those are the those are sometimes the hardest things yes. to break out of their lives. Oh yeah. And that happens here all the time in the United oh, States. For sure. I have said things to my children that I regret yeah. horribly as a mother. Sure. Where I them am, am looking at them repenting mm. <laughs> repeatedly, like I feel horrible. Yeah. But thankfully my children have been raised in a family to know that they are loved unconditionally, you yeah. know. But these our children didn't come from that. Yeah. So the the voice of of Satan is a lot harder some days over yeah. the littler things. Sure. They believe that God can heal them over the big things, but mm. it's that it's that negative voice in their head that says that they're not worth anything, yeah. right? right? Or they're not wanted. Right. They're expended or expendable because a lot of their families have have abandoned them. Sure. We yeah. have families who have gotten out of moms or dads have gotten out of prison and they never come back to get their Yeah, children. they're just looking at like what they've what they've physically right. seen and a lot of times, if we just look at the physical aspect of what we've seen, that can easily make any of us feel like we're not valued. If we're right. consistently not valued our entire life, right? and all of a sudden someone says to us, oh, no, you're valued. I mean, you're looking at the last X amount of years, and right. you're thinking, no, well, no, I'm not. I'm really you not. have no idea what I've been through. I've been told I'm not valued right. from right. the beginning. And have people have done things to to me to, to show, show I'm that. not valued. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's hard, that's really but it hard. goes back to what you said earlier about how we're responsible to come to them and share our testimony mm-hmm. or just sit there and grieve with them yep. and then care enough to pray for them mm-hmm. outside of maybe even being around them right. and build that relationship. And then putting ourselves in a situation where we, we are exposed so that we are then responsible to do something. And I've heard this one quote, which I love. It says, you know, pastor can set the vision, but the businessman or woman can set the pace. Mm. And I think a lot of times what you shared earlier is that people just think, well, I can't do this because of this. And instead of saying like, why can't I do something or, or give an excuse, ask God what he wants you to do. And I think of just even the, the organization that I run, there are many business women, businessmen and business women that have wrapped around us mm-hmm. and have, they're incredible entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and God has used them 
and they have furthered our mission and our reach exponentially right. because of their willingness to just give. 100%. And there's some that, that do both. Mm-hmm. They're very involved, and they also give as well, too. And then there's some that are just like, hey, we just want to continually bring groceries and a meal, and right. that's what they can do. But it's like everyone can do something, something. to move it forward. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not saying that everyone should have someone in their home or should go to Bolivia or, you know, God does call you and God does speak seasons and and there is wisdom. And when we do these type of things, right. But, um, I think we just have to be careful. We don't set up so many excuses because even going back to when you said you were going to be a missionary, your whole family's like, no, no, what (laughs) are you going to do? Don't go. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's important to, to point out that there's a difference between a burden and a call. Mm. Right. So like, and this is one of the things that we talked to the team about when we got back yeah. from Bolivia, because they were all like, we're selling everything and moving. You're like, settle down. <laughs> like, hold on a second. Like, I love your hearts, right? Oh There's all gosh. good things. And like, you guys because, have been through it for so long. Uh, You've seen the, how yeah. many how many teams have you seen? Uh, in your, oh, more than 100. And I'm least. sure there's like yeah. a lot of, you know, when you do anything professionally, you you learn nuances mm-hmm. of how people are going to respond to oh, things. Yeah. So I'm sure you guys already know. Yeah. One of the things we tell them when we do re-entry with them is we yeah. tell them like, don't make any major decisions for three months, right? Mm. Like three months, we That's usually so tend to see like, you're on an emotional high when you come off an, a, a, yes. of a missions trip. You have, you have seen God in a different way. You've heard from him. A lot of it is because you've unplugged, right? Yes. We always tell them when they come down to Bolivia, it's like, try and leave your phone Aside from like making sure your family knows you're okay and all of those things, like don't get on social media, don't snap people, like don't stay away from that. Yeah, like really be here. If you're gonna be here, like be here. Yeah, I love that. Um, but a lot of times because of that, you hear God a lot clearer. It's amazing. (laughs) We just got back from teen camp with like 700 kids, and none of them had their phone. Mm -hmm. Nobody. Yeah. I mean, even leaders. I mean, really, were they were required to use their phone at a minimum just Mm -hmm. again to check in on your kids and your wife. Right. Um, and let me tell you, I was changed by that. Right. Uh, I mean, I I had the anxiety that I normally, I didn't realize how much anxiety I got. Like, I don't know if there's a thing, if there's a term for it. It's like phone anxiety. It's like, oh, I'm I'm, I'm awkward in an awkward conversation with someone I don't know. Mm -hmm. Or maybe nobody's talking to me and I'm not sure what to say. Oh, I'm going to get my phone out and like, like I'm busy or like I'm going to figure out something to do. Well, then what's not there? I'm like, okay, I guess I better strike up a conversation here. Stand here and stare at you awkwardly. Yes. (laughs) So sorry. Yeah. So everybody's yeah, everyone uh-huh. that doesn't have their phone, they're all staring right. at each other awkwardly. We we've learned to not know how to communicate. We really have. Or even just like yeah. the team played games with the kids, right? We were constantly yeah. busy. Nobody was on the phone. Honestly, our I children don't really have phones. So sure, right, right. That would have been for awkward. Them, for them, they're just them, like, they would, This is yeah, great. This you is know? wonderful. Yeah. What's wrong with you guys? But talking to them, it was like you know, as much as we love your heart mm-hmm. and you want to abandon ship, right? And, yeah. and come down or do whatever, right. you know, one, God also gives us wisdom, right? Yeah. And and you can have a burden and mm-hmm. that's great. A burden is a good thing, but a burden yes. is not going to keep you in whatever that is. Mm. Burden's not going to keep you in Bolivia. I love that. Because the first minute that you have a bad day because yes. someone cut you off in traffic and you don't know how to communicate right. and you just want a bowl of cereal, but they don't have any cereal. Right. So you decide you're going to have pizza for dinner just to have a little piece of like yeah, the United yeah. States. But guess what? You don't know how to order pizza on the phone because you speak a different language. And when they right. talk to you, they talk too fast. I mean, I could keep going, yeah, but yeah. that's real. Oh, for right? sure. And so the first moment you have a day where they're not your culture, they're yeah. not your people. 
and you're angry at everything (laughs) under the sun and you miss your family. You miss the United States. You miss the smell of the United States because it smells actually pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You miss seeing the flag. All of those things, they a burden won't keep you. Mm. Only the call of God is what you can rest your head on. So on those days, you know that you know that you know. Yes. That if you were to run from it, it would chase you. Yeah. A burden will allow you to go home and be like, Yeah, that was a good season but this that's over and don't get me wrong calls come in season as well sure right? sure but and even when you're burdened by something god st- you know they might come back and maybe they don't go to bolivia but maybe they're like man the church has had this ministry for right. some time where they're partnering with this organization right. man i want to be involved in there right. now and it prompted something else in their life because of that burden which god did right. call them to right but i totally agree with you like if you don't have if you're not called regardless of what it is in your life. I believe that God can call entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. I believe that God can call businessmen, businesswomen. He can call to missions. He can call to full-time vocational ministry. Fill in the blank. I believe God calls to all of it because, again, God uses all of it. All of it. Um, but it is so important because whether it is a business, whether it's a ministry, fill in the blank, like you're going to have a hard time. Yep. Like you don't have health and you don't create anything great without hardship. Yep. And if you don't know that you know that you know that God wanted you to do it yep. and that your spouse is on board and that yep. you're healthy physically, spiritually, emotionally to do it. Right. I mean, you're you're going to you're going to you're going to burn out. You're going to bury <laughs> you're gonna yourself for sure. Yep. And there is there are very real things even in a calling. Like one of the things that I did not realize and this kind of came with being a mama of of almost 40 kids at one point um is I did not realize there was something called compassion fatigue. Mm. Like I, I did not realize that when I was bearing their burdens, I mean, it was just lumping one thing on top of another oh, yeah. on top of another. Sure. And I sure. wasn't catching a break. And because yeah. I had just pouring out all the time. Yeah. And because I had such good experience burying things to my toes, cause that's sure. what I, that's a coping mechanism of mine. Sure. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I got really good at it and, yeah. and, and really living in another culture, um, I didn't feel like I had time to process anything. Yeah. And that's not healthy either. No. Right. And so even in a call, I think it's very important to make sure like wisdom would say, you need people to talk to. Yes. You need mentors. You need people um, that are not so close to it Mm -hmm. that kind of know all the junk too, but maybe are also like for us, we spoke to other missionaries, right? Because they understand that life. Right. But they don't understand everything, and they don't know all the sure, players on the sure. field. But they do understand pieces and parts of that life. Yes. Um, so there's there's that, you know. But there's also I have no problem with talking about going to counseling. Oh gosh, I have heard that more this last two years than any other time in my life. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is because the word counseling mm-hmm. just can have such negative, negative. connotations of who you are as a person, right? especially if you're in pastoral leadership or mm-hmm. you're a missionary, immediately people think, oh, he must have had a moral failure right. or he must be an alcoholic or her fill husband in the must blank. not listen. Uh, right. <laughs> fill in the blank. I mean, right. and then they automatically look at you and then they're, and, and so it does get really tricky. And, um, but I've learned, you know, for myself included, um, again, going back to some things with my mom and my family dynamic. And I just even was like, man, I think I need counseling. Mm -hmm. And I talked with a lady 
And it was such a beautiful moment because she was so away from what I was experiencing. Mm -hmm. And she said to me, John, I can't believe that you're going through all of this at one time. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, kind of like what you said, I just didn't see it like that Mm -hmm. with everything that was going on in my life, professionally, um, personally. Right. I just thought, hey, this is normal. I mean, I'm sure everyone's going through these type right. of things. And she's like, no, they're not. Right. Like, this is a ton at one moment. Right. And I just remember, like, starting to cry, mm-hmm. you know, trying to hold it back while I was on the phone with her because it just felt so good for someone from an outside perspective to say, dude, you're going through it right now. Right. And I just didn't see that. Right. But it made so much sense because right. of how I was responding to someone not you know, right. getting me pizza or right. getting cereal, like you just said. Right. Well, but we think that we, we think that we're supposed to have it together all the time. Yeah, and yeah. I don't understand necessarily where, where that might come from. I mean, some of it could be, you know, how you were raised or whatever. Oh yeah. You if know, you're raised in a from, Christian home and they're like super yeah, conservative, I mean, you could easily, like or, a, or even if they're charismatic, right. it's like, oh no, we, you know, Jesus heals. That's like, right. G- no time to be sick. Emotion. Get in the healing yeah. line. Let's go. Yeah. Like, like, there's like, anointing oil for you. Yes. God, God, God doesn't give you a spirit of fear, but of a sound mind, like uh, step up and get moving. And you're right. just like, oh, you know, and right. you just become a robot. Right. Right. And I, and I think definitely like they're, we have learned, <laughs> we have learned by trial and fire, unfortunately, yeah. you know, the things that we did not do right. Mm. I will say, I will admit readily, um, our first term was very hard in the sense that uh, because I was mom to all these foster kids, I could, I could look at them and I, and their need was very real, kind of in your face. Yeah. But then my three, I'm like, you guys are okay. Like, you're fine. I know who raised you. Right. Y'all yeah. don't have any major trauma like that. Sure. Sure. And I didn't necessarily, ab- we didn't necessarily abandon them, but we definitely put them on the back burner, mm-hmm. you know? Sure. And, and, and I will say that was probably the worst thing that we could have done, you know, mm-hmm. because just as much as we were adjusting to a foreign country, we were adjusting to being sure. parents. They're adjusting yeah. to everything. And then some, um, and in a weird sense, you know, Justin and I, knew that we knew that this is what God was calling us to. Our children Mm. were like, uh, we're just innocent bystanders at this point. Like we don't feel called into mission work. We don't feel like this is what we're supposed to do, but because Mm. we're your children and we're young, this is what we're doing. Right. And so it's like, (laughs) but, and it's not necessarily they had anything bad to say about mission work, but so many people would be like, Oh, I bet you're going to be a missionary when you grow up. Uh, No. Like, in fact, None of them want to do that, and that's mm. fine with us. Oh, yeah, for sure. But there there was a lot of hard things that we had to learn through our first season or our first term that we didn't realize how much it impacted our three children, mm. our propio imagine. niños, our own children. Propion. And and it was hard because after we came back, they, they the three of us kind of sat down with us, or the three of them looked at us and said, you know, you guys weren't there. Mm. When we needed you at times. Yeah. And we felt like you kind of loved them more than Mm. us. And all good things that they had to say, hard, hard things. So we knew for the next term that we were going to need to make changes. You know, So good they felt the freedom to tell you guys that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, honestly, Janet, that shows a testament to your and your husband's leadership in their life that you've created a culture where they can do that. We had to to swallow hard 
because yeah. your pride as a parent oh, is yeah. like, well, how could you feel that way? Of course, like we love you. Of course, we For would never sure. be any. When like, your kids confront you, I have been in a situation where my wife and I were fighting mm-hmm. pretty mm-hmm. loudly. Yeah, and my son, my my son, my uh, my son picks up our values, mm. brings them downstairs, and he says, "Dad." How's this he just holds them up mm-hmm. and we're fighting and he, he holds up our values and we're just stopping. We're like, Oh gosh, we're terrible parents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I would, but at the same time, I, it's been such a moment for me to bring it back to the gospel of telling my son. Mm-hmm. And it always amazes me when I do this parents, if you're out there do this, I always tell him, son, I am a sinner and I need Jesus just mm-hmm. as much as you. Yep. And every time I say that to one of my kids, yep. they're like, you do. Yeah. I didn't think that you sinned. And I'm like, yeah. are you kidding me? I am yeah. like a total sinner. I right. need Jesus. Like mm-hmm. I make mistakes. I think that there are things that I'm doing that are right, that are wrong. Like right. my heart is desperately wicked. No man can know it. And right. you need to know that. And right. there's going to be things that you get when you're older and you look back and see, man, dad didn't do that right. Or mom right. didn't do that right. And that's okay because, right. you know, we want you to grow from that. Right. And you are always pointed to Jesus in that. Mm-hmm. And I think like when you tell him that, it's like this revelation of like, man, I need the gospel. But when parents try to like hide that and yeah. they're not disclosing that they need Jesus and yeah. that they're, they have made mistakes and they create a, an arena for their kids to be involved and being able to talk about hard things too and to their parents and their parents are in a moment of, man, I have to apologize. And man, I have to ask the Lord to forgive me. Um, you ask do your children. You. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ask them to forgive you. Uh-huh. I mean, you do them such a disservice because yeah. God speaks through them in such mm. massive ways. I always say children are a mirror, mm. you know, that James talks about mm-hmm. holding that. Is it, I think it's in James, yeah. Where it's like that mirror of seeing yep. ourselves. I mean, dude, that is your children. That is your right. spouse, like holding that mirror up. Like, right. this is your motive. This is your intention, right. you know. Yeah. And if we don't, here's the trouble. If we don't listen, yeah, they're going to find people who do. For sure. And the unfortunate part of that is some most times that's with the wrong crowd, right? Yeah. And so... For Justin and I, we really had to humble ourselves and realize like our most important ministry is to our family. Yeah. Our most important ministry is to yeah. the, our three children that they know that we, yes. they know that they know that they come first Yeah, every time, yeah. all the time. Yeah, And, and we had to admit to them, we mm. didn't do a good job of that. And we are really sorry about that. Yeah, And the beauty of our children is that, you know, they did give us that forgiveness. Mm. They did allow us, you know, to redeem that time in the sense of showing them then how we were going to change. So you can say that, right? but are you going to back it up? Yes. So then, you know, our second term, we, our oldest two ended up staying in the United States and then our youngest one was coming back with us and, Mm. and we found a house off campus. Mm. We said, we will not live on campus. That was too hard. Mm. As much as we love what we do, it's still what we do. Mm-hmm. I love those children like they're my own, but mm-hmm. I need a break. And yeah. I needed to recognize that. Yeah, I needed a sanctuary. I needed a place where I wasn't constantly hearing them scream mommy. Right. Yeah. I needed a oh, moment. Yeah. 50 kids where, screaming mommy oh, at the same time. Man, right. We would tell our, our oh workers, like we're doing a family of five. We're our five. We're going to watch a movie. Yeah. But without fail, mm. our kids at the Hope Center would go to the second story of the Hope Center, open the window and scream, mommy, puppy. And, and how do you not right. get drawn into that? Oh gosh. And it would drive my kids crazy. Our yeah. three kids crazy oh, because sure. they're like, but it's our turn right now. Right. right. And you don't, you want, you're like, how do I, how do I do this? Ugh. Like, 
So just to have them understand, like, yeah. okay, so we found a house off campus. We started making more yeah. boundaries. Yeah, we, we heard s- you, and this is what we're right, doing to right? respond like, to Right, like, you're going to survive yeah. until the morning when we yeah. get there. Like, right. there are, we have workers. We have right. a very good staff. Yes. We, and we employ them for a reason, yes. right? We're not the only people that can yes. help with these things. Yes. Um, so we became a little bit more knowledgeable about boundaries. Yeah. And really, really prayed specifically over things that we needed to take on and things that we didn't, yeah. right? Like at first you go and you're like, we're going to save the world. And no, oh, yeah. like, no, and like it's such settle a biblical down. Thing too. Like, I mean, you have Moses in the Bible, Jethro yeah, father-in-law right? comes up and he's like, dude, what are what you is doing? Like, why right are now? you solving all the needs mm-hmm. of like hundreds of thousands of right. people? Like you need to set them up delegate, and delegate. give them a court. No, not that you're abdicating, but you're, you're delegating and you're still part of it, but you're doing it in a healthy way. Right. And I think a lot of times, like you said, you can get that, compassion burnout where you just think oh I'm just gonna and and a lot of it I think too Janet is I a lot of it I think as a leader can come from and I'm not saying this was you guys but I've experienced this it can come out of a dysfunction of our own self needing to be wanted yep and like if we've if we end up delegating things appropriately and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden we're not in that limelight or they don't need us as much it can we can start to all of a sudden have an identity issue too where we're Um. like oh you know, right. And you know, I'll, I'll tell you, I actually experienced that, um, at a time when I went from full-time vocational ministry, I was in the limelight all the time as a pastor, mm-hmm. constantly doing things and on stage, solving people's, uh, you know, giving them counsel, mm-hmm. uh, building teams, building mm-hmm. ministries, and then went from that to like just attending church mm-hmm. out in Tennessee mm-hmm. and nobody knew me. Mm-hmm. No one had any idea of who I was or what I've done. And, I realized like God was like, dude, you really need that, don't you? And I'm yeah. like, I had no idea yeah. how I needed to be wanted by yeah. that sphere. It's and a- it took me probably a good six months right. to really like shake that off. But I realized like, dude, I'm so thankful that the Lord allowed me to experience that mm-hmm. because um, not that all of those things had wrong motives, but we just don't know our flesh and how it develops through time yeah. in certain seasons. And so um, I don't think we realize how much worth we get from what we do. Oh, for right? sure. And so even like I've heard, I heard that a lot as a wife is yes. that like you're as looking at Justin, a lot of his worth is through his job, yeah. right? He gets a lot of validation yeah. through that. So, yes. um, so as a man, like, I don't know, cause I'm not, but you know, apparently that's, that's a big deal for me though. Like, but I think that's both ways because mm-hmm. oh, I've yeah. run into some health issues. Right. And it's kind of landed me in the United States right now for a little while. And so, you know, there's this, there's this issue that, that I've been dealing with, with, with the Lord is that one, I know you're able to heal me, but you're not mm-hmm. right. You're not taking that, that heart trouble away. I've, I've got a heart issue that, um, I can't be over in Bolivia full time right now. And so, mm-hmm. One, why aren't you yeah. healing me? I know you can. Yeah. And, and we're supposed to do this together, right? Yeah. And Justin's over there without me. Yeah. And I don't like that. Yeah. I don't like it, one, because we're, we're separated right now. Sure. Um, by space, not by marriage. Right, um, right. But two, um, I know what you're capable of doing. Yeah. And I don't get it. Right. Right? And, and the other half of that is, what do I tell people when they ask me what I do? Yeah. How do I respond? Because am I still a missionary? Right. Um, and then I kind of lost myself in a sense of 
what do I do? What do I do? Yeah. I, my kids are kind of grown. Right. I'm now like this I empty know, so nester many transitions. and Gosh. I'm watching my husband do the very thing that we love to do. And I'm over here doing what? Yeah. And I remember very clearly the Lord said, because you've forgotten that you're my daughter first and foremost, mm. you thought that you were a missionary, but you're not. Yeah. That's what you do. Yeah. But that's not who you are. Yeah. And he said, witness always precedes sentness. Mm. You being with me and understanding that you're my child first and foremost is the most important. Then you being sent yeah. is next. Yeah. Right. So Which is amazing that you said that because that's exactly what you said that you need that you want to do show your own kids. Mm-hmm. That man, you guys are the most important and we're gonna create yeah, you know boundaries, and and it's yep. really God saying the same thing right. back to you, that which is you're crazy. Mine. Yeah, and you need to you need to you're be important. okay you with matter. that. Yeah, like yeah. regardless of what this season looks like right now. Yeah, um, and what you might have to do in the midst of that season, yeah. right? You, and it's it's hard because people will be like, oh, I thought you were in Bolivia, and so it's this constant oh, like. Sure. Thorn my flesh. Nope, I'm actually yeah, have this health issue and la da 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 da. You tell them all about all the fun medicine <laughs> yeah. that you're taking and yeah, you know, yeah. and they're like, oh, so, oh, so you can't be there. And you're like, yeah. what? I love talking. You know, uh, so it's yeah, one more thing, hard. one more. And yeah, so, sure. right. But it's, it's being okay when it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And, and that stinks sometimes. That is hard. Because you want, you're like, I know you're capable, Lord. And right. I've had, multiple people pray for my healing right and then you're like do i not believe it can happen so then you know satan is so good Mm -hmm. at throwing the lies in there and the things that he can say and you know regardless of what it is yeah this is what it is yeah but i think i'm not the only person that's forgotten that i'm his i'm his child first for sure and that's something i don't want ever my like you said i don't ever want my children to forget yeah. Like you are always going to be, my three are always going to be my three. Yes. Right. Regardless of whether I gave birth to you yeah. or even if your dad and I adopted you, like you yeah. are our children, you are our children. Yeah. And God has given us those other children for a season. Right. But, mm-hmm. but you will always be ours. And that's so good. And that's, you know, that's what we want. We I always want our children to know that. And God always wants us to know that. Yeah. Yes. That's so good, man. Mm-hmm. Going back to establishing identity, I love it. Mm-hmm. How do people get involved at uh, at the Hope the Hope, Hope Center? Center? Yeah. Um, so because they can still give to you guys. You can. Where do they go to do that? I mean, yeah. if there was a church that wanted to maybe go on a mission trip, because um, a new tribe is a great church, and I mean, they're they're. I mean, obviously partnering right. with you guys. So I mean, if there's another church that wanted to join in and, and go, how do they do that? How do they give financially? So. Um, <laughs> So because we are Assemblies of God missionaries, they are our covering. Um, you can actually donate any funds through them. Um, oh, everything okay. is is tax deductible. And so you can actually, there's a search web, like search engine um, with the Assemblies of God. Okay. And you can search Bolivian Hope Center and okay. it will bring up our page. So if they go to assemblies.of.com, they search mm-hmm. Bolivian Hope Center, it'll bring up your page and then there'll be a link there to yep. support you guys. Yep. Or okay. you can even search just Justin and Janet Henry um, okay. and that will bring up our our page as well. And so both of those ways, everything is very upfront accounted for. Nothing is done directly through our hands. I mean, they are tried and true. Absolutely. Incredible at making sure that missionaries are on track. Yeah. We are, we have to account for every dollar. Actually, (laughs) I actually know that only because again, of being in my last role of dealing with so, we have so many missionaries that we, um, 
had in our church, um, mm-hmm. and I knew what they had to do, and it was yeah. it was uh, they're accountable for every, every single cent, cent. Yeah. every cent that comes through. Yep. And so with that, like if you're a church and you're interested in wanting to come down. You can definitely find us on Facebook. Both Justin and I are on Facebook. Um, okay. We have our own missionary page as well. Janet and Justin, or Justin and Janet Henry, uh, BHC Missionaries is the name of our our Facebook page, which is public, so anybody can Great. find it and okay. friend us if they want. Um, I try and update that the most often just to let people sure. know what's going yeah, on yeah. at the Hope Center and see some pictures yeah. of the kids yeah. and some of the fun times that we have yeah, there. Great. Um, but yeah, in general, uh, I mean, we also have a website, it's, uh, traveling coach, T-R-A-V-E-L-I-N-G coach, C-O-C-H is short for coach Abamba, Cause that's the city that we live in.com. Gotcha. And there's a link, direct link that they can donate or even just find out more. Okay. We do more than just, uh, work with the Hope Center children. We also work with unreached people groups, okay. uh, by building churches and working with lo- local pastors out in the compost, okay. um, to further the gospel. And so yeah, I love that. there's a bunch of other stuff yeah. that we do. And, yeah. is, and do they use those links the same way to like, if they want to schedule a mission trip as well too? Yeah, that's, so you have a way to reach out to Justin and I, or, you know, usually Justin, he's, he's in charge of the calendar. And so, okay. yeah, he would be the one you'd want to talk with about okay. bringing some, you just go to your Facebook down. page mm-hmm. and DM Face, you guys. Yep, for sure. Gotcha. Yeah. Simple. Love it. Absolutely. Well, girl, thank you for being on. Man, I am always inspired by you. And I could talk with you for like hours. (laughs) And uh, you and your husband are truly um they you inspire me personally. And I know our listeners as well are gonna walk away. You know, maybe those that have been on a missions trip, maybe those that have haven't, maybe they'll Mm -hmm. be say, Man, I want to be. Um, maybe those that um have been and maybe, you know, have gone and we're burdened and maybe didn't do anything with it. Maybe it's like, right. man, guys, what is God calling you to do? Right. Um, and a lot of good content that we spoke about. I know I'll be listening to it again personally and Thank taking you. notes. You're so kind. <laughs> I appreciate you. Absolutely. Well, girl, we love you. Thank Thanks you. for coming on. Thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah. Man, what an amazing conversation with my friend Janet Henry from the Bolivian Hope Center. Absolutely love this lady. My biggest takeaway that she unpacked a burden versus a call from God and the things that we're pursuing in our life. She said that if you're burdened by something, that it will not sustain you through the course of hardship. But if you're called by God, you will be sustained. Man, I hope this conversation bless you all. And as always, live one for one. God bless.